it's Kate Magic from Raw Living. My guest today is Annie Jubb. I'm hugely honoured to be speaking with Annie. She's one of the original pioneers of uh, the Raw Vegan movement and really queen of the liver flush. I wanted to really dive deep into liver flushes with her and why they're so important and the best ways to do them. So enjoy. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today. Mm, delighted to be with you. How are you, Kate? I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Very well. <laughs> so you've always been a huge inspiration to me. You're one of the original raw food pioneers. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself and how you started on the raw journey. What, what was your background? Mm. Well, um, so I've been in it for like 30 years now. So, um, in the, let's see, so my, I sort of came into it with the study and a program I had on behavior physiology. And we had a small nutritional piece in there, but it was mostly sort of like a Pritikin diet. So it was low carbs, low protein, uh, lots of veggies. Um, so that was always kind of my focus. Um, and I grew up in a small island here. I'm actually here now in the Washington, in Washington State in the San Juan Islands. And we had a garden and we had fresh, a really good water well. We had the best water on the island. So I started really paying attention to just small things like that. Like, you know, really fresh, delicious water is way better than the water that we had in town, which was chlorine and fluoride and, you know, you could smell it and all of that. So, so I had always kind of known that there was a, a, a range of everything good. There's, there's food that was grown locally and that you pick in your garden and it's super fresh and it tastes really good. You know, the tomato that I picked in my garden was really different than the one that we bought at the supermarket, you know? So I always kind of paid attention to stuff like that. Um, but it wasn't until, let's see, I went to India uh, in 1990. I became a vegetarian and did a yoga teacher's training program. And uh, when I came back to America, I went right into a training that I had set up with my then husband, Dr. David Jubb, with a corporation, Aveda Corporation. And I was teaching them, uh, you know, behavior physiology and communications um, formats for businesses and, and this type of a thing. And I just happened to mention that I had, be, you know, made a lifestyle change, that I'm now vegetarian. And I thought that it had huge health implications for America. So at that time, too, obesity and diabetes and AIDS and um, uh, Can yeah, cancer, sorry, thank you. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't think of cancer. Um, you know, we're, we're really chronic. We're just, just having this huge, huge expression into the culture. And when I was growing up, you didn't really know anybody that actually had cancer. It was always removed mm -hmm. quite, a, quite a bit. And then all of a sudden, everybody had it. <clears throat> there were a lot of health challenges. And so I had, was in this training, and I happened to mention that I was sort of searching for what caused cancer. I didn't really know. And I thought, well, there were some doctors that I knew, and I was asking them. Anyway, I just sort of made a general, you know, announcement that I was looking for that. And the next day, a woman came to the, uh, it was a three-day event, and she came the second day. And she handed me a book by Dr. Ann Wigmore called I think recipes for longer life and yeah that was my first book as well <laughs> isn't that funny it's such a gateway book for everybody it's like what she cured herself of cancer with raw living foods <laughs> what so 
So I read the entire book that night and I thought, wow, that sounds cool. And uh, decided to make a lifestyle, uh, another lifestyle shift and to just eat the raw living foods. And just within a short period of time, even just a few weeks, I started looking healthier, better, more fit. I was pretty fit at the time to begin with. Um, but a lot of, um, a lot of symptoms that I didn't even know I had cleared up. You know, my sinuses got really clear. My sense of smell got really sharp. My sense of taste, how I felt in my body. All of that just got so much better. I thought, wow, this is, this is huge. And it cures cancer and it reverses the conditions for degenerative diseases, which are lifestyle choices and food choices. And uh, so much of the junk food in America that had been uh, cane syrup, they're, you know, white sugar basically had shifted to high fructose corn syrup sometime in the 80s and it was a it was a, a nationwide shift and um of course america likes a lot of starches and such too and i think that 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 was a turning point moment in america's health profile that brought in obesity like we know it today and diabetes and certainly cancer of the sugar-based disease so, so you i started yeah, you had Jobs Longevity, right? And that was really influential, wasn't it? Yeah, that was 10 years later. That was, I opened, okay, I think, in wow. 2000, yeah, 2001. So during the 90s, I got busy and I set up a, an outpatient fasting clinic that looks specifically at cleaning out the liver and the gallbladder with my liver and gallbladder flushes. Wow. And um, I fasted thousands and thousands of people. And what I found was even if they were really, really seriously ill, that if we cleaned out the liver and the gallbladder really well and got them onto a really largely raw living foods diet, <clears throat> that they would, that their body would self-correct. Wow. And that it's an element of the body to self-correct. And if we have disease, it's because there's too many toxins and not enough nutrients. And um, that is an equation that we can fix, you know? So once we got them on the raw living foods, especially um, you know, a lot of juicing where you get a lot of um, phytonutrients and um, uh, in a short amount of time in a, in a way that's really easy for the body to uptake and assimilate those nutrients. So what um, year was this? What year did you start doing that work? 1990. Wow, amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so all through the 90s, I ran the outpatient clinic. I also did an educational program. We did a free weekly lecture and we lectured to hundreds of people every week. Uh, I say we because I was doing it with my, my then husband, Dr. David Jeb. And um, yeah, we did that for about 10 years and then it kind of moved into Jeb's longevity. I wanted to get more into the cuisine arts, the arts of cuisine, you know, living foods has its own um, culinary, as you know, <laughs> its own culinary techniques, how to make uh, cheeses, delicious, you know, wonderful cheeses out of nuts and seeds, how to ferment properly. We were making our own kombucha at that time. This is before it became commercially available. Um, a lot of dehydrating and all of that. And I thought, wow, there's nobody really doing um, doing restaurants and doing you know um, commercially made foods like this. And it, so the labor, it was very labor intensive. If you want to juice, you have to juice yourself. You have to shop for all the ingredients. You have to dehydrate for 18 hours. You have to, <laughs> you know. And so I wanted to get more into the culinary part of it and to make it more gourmet, raw living foods. And so that's where uh, my little cafe in New York, Jeb's Longevity, came from that. And I think we opened in 2001. Wow. So. Mm -hmm. And that became a real hub for people, right? 
It did. It did. I, um, I sort of needed to shift out of running the clinic and doing the weekly lecture, which I was very devoted to. And, um, you know, just to have more of a, like that, a hub that people could come and, and uh, try the foods. They can do the, you know, the liver and gallbladder flushes if they wanted to as well. And we made it easy for them. And there was a whole system they could, like a buddy system that we would, you know, connect people together so they could go through the group, you know, as a group, they could go through and do their cleansing. And, um, you know, at the same time, just made all these amazing recipes, you know, and uh, feed the people, you know, so. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you a huge amount of people onto raw foods that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and then that, uh, that was in New York and then I moved to Los Angeles and I opened mm -hmm. up, uh, my restaurants there, Life Food Organics. So mm -hmm. continued on to it. My very first trip to LA, which I think was 2007, I'm pretty sure it was 2007. And I was hanging out with Annie Pio and we, she drove us to the location of Hollywood and she's like, Annie Jubb's place isn't open yet, but I keep going by to check if it's open. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much. And we drove past and it still wasn't open. And then it was the next time I went and that's, that's when we met. So that, I guess we met in 2009. But Life Food Organic, I have to say, was like my favorite place. And your key lime pie did change my life. <laughs> <laughs> It was that it was, was Truth's Reishi Cappuccino and your key lime pie, and I would come back to London and I would just be like craving those two things, and I'd be like, I can't wait to get back to LA and just yeah, eat the key lime pie. <laughs> <laughs> I love eating key lime pie. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell us about um, Life Food Organic. Well, I Food Organic, it was um, I had two, two, eventually two cafes, and I actually started to franchise them. And I, I sold a franchise in Dubai, of all places, and there was a lot of interest in Europe. And um, I kind of needed a better partnership to pull that one off. Um, but it, it, got, it got a lot of legs, and it went quite far. Um, I had one in Hollywood, one in Santa Monica. Um, and um, yeah, we focused on gourmet raw living foods. We ran my nutritional fasting program out of it as well. Uh, really beautiful little shops. Um, I sort of miss them now. I mean, it's been nice. I've been out, out of it for about a year, year and a half. I sold my shares to somebody who sort of closed everything and has sort of reorganized it in a different way. Um, but it's, you know, it's their restaurants and there's quite a lot of busy work to be done in restaurants. And um, <clears throat> You know, there's a lot, a lot that goes into it. In fact, I was just uh, chatting with you a little while ago, and I was saying I really didn't sleep well for about ten years. <laughs> but it's like having a baby, isn't it? It's, it's like, like having a baby. You're twenty-four, twenty-four-seven. You wake up at three or four in the morning. You're like, oh, taxes are due. Oh my goodness! So when you're thinking about this and thinking about that, and yeah, yeah. a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and um, and I loved it, and I will do another restaurant at some point, <clears throat> either in New York or LA. Uh -huh. But uh, I'm in no rush to do it right now. Too, it just feels really good to uh, focus on other projects, you know. And sleep, sleep, and sleep, <laughs> and have a really good night's sleep every night. <laughs> I think the thing I love best about well, I love lots of things, but really the thing for me was that as someone who's long-term vegan and tuned into my body, I have a high level of sensitivity and 
the problem I used to encounter a lot when traveling is that a lot of the raw food restaurants, the food was just indigestible because it was so nut heavy and high glycemic, but your food was really digestible because you've got this, it's underpinned by this understanding of nutrition and, and detoxification. So, you know, it's very rare, isn't it, to come across food that's done, that tastes so good, but is also done to that level of attention. Mm, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's really important to me for digestibility. I mean, at the end of the day, I really want people to get healthy and be well. And in the meantime, I want to give them a really delicious meal that they enjoy and that has all the mouthfeels and the textures and, you know, flavors that they're familiar with. And you really can accomplish that in, in raw cuisine. And um, But digestibility is really important for me. And because I did start with the whole... Um, nutritional fasting and actually just kind of reversing the conditions of degenerative diseases with, with detoxing uh, this way. Um, I understand that, you know, it's really, really important for the food to assimilate well. And yeah, so much of raw living food is really just a big salad, isn't it? You know, where um, there's so much more nuance to it when you think about digestibility and even, even your favorite, you know, desserts, there whenever I you know would create a new dessert my my first thoughts are how can anybody with any food pro profile still eat this cake you know I mean yeah. and so most people are pre you know I don't want to say precancerous but pre-diabetic in America for sure and um and they have major sugar sensitivities the average American eats about 120 pounds of refined sugar every year so wow. they Yes. And so <laughs> you want to know what's fueling those degenerative diseases, it's you know, and, but they like sugary things. They like sweet things. And so when I, what I always do is I balance that sugar and there, we're talking fruit sugars with my recipes, of course, or coconut sugars, low glycemic, natural sugars, even fruits, you know, like dates and raisins and things like this, mm -hmm. but they have to be balanced with a protein and a fat. So you'll have a really nice fat and protein in there as well. And then it gives the liver the opportunity to hang on to that sugar for a long, long period of time until they actually, the body needs it. And then it's turned into fuel very easily. And then you can burn that, uh, that sugar. Whereas when you eat like a candy bar or something um, that doesn't have that consciousness put into the recipe, um, you know, it just goes shooting out of the liver. It creates a, uh, an insulin spike in the blood. You know, they get kind of crazy and high for a minute and then they drop, the sugar drops you and half an hour later or something that's sort of grumpy and feeling low energy and, and all of that too. So you can really bypass that sugar spike if you give enough uh, really high quality fat, and I'm talking like coconut oils and uh, or even nut fats, if you will, and then uh, really good proteins too. So nuts and seeds in there that are, you know, sprouted and German, uh, germinated uh, properly so that they, um, they're also an easy protein to assimilate, a really good, clean, vegan protein to assimilate into the body mm -hmm. and to anchor those sugars down, you know? So there's a bit of a science to it, a bit of an alchemy, you know, to getting the right uh, equation in those recipes. So I really wanted to go deep into the liver with you. I think I did my first liver flush in 2007, I'm just thinking. And I was pretty, I'm, I'm really good at doing clonics and enemas and I really do those regularly. And I don't really have much issue with my liver. So it's not an area that I've needed to work on so much, but you know, I, I tried a liver flush. And in the beginning when I started doing them, it was quite a kind of 
heavy thing it was kind of quite a lot to go through and then because I was doing them fairly regularly not like super regularly but probably a couple of times a year then it became kind of easy and I didn't like yeah it was just it became fun actually I have to say and then I moved home I moved back to London and I've been meaning to live a fresh but just getting caught up in the London life and you know how life can be I I realized I think I hadn't done a liver flush for three years and I found the time to do one I think I had a cancellation of something that was meant to do and I found myself with a whole week that I had something planned and I had it oh maybe yeah I can't remember but anyway I did this liver flush and it was really a lot again and I was really like wow you have to do liver flushes really regularly to keep up with it so I did another one at Christmas that was brilliant and I just felt so good afterwards and it's just really reaffirmed and cemented my belief and love for liver liver care and I thought okay who's the queen of liver who can I talk to <laughs> <laughs> and of course it's you so I want you to just give us the whole download like spill all the beans on well as much as time allows on well let's start with why why do you think doing liver flushes is important mm. wow that's so great okay so so the liver for me is the most important organ of the body it's the most regenerative organ of the body. If half of it is removed within three weeks, the, the body prioritizes to reproduce and to regenerate that liver. So that is different than every other organ of the body and every other part of the body. So I already know that nature is guiding us to have a look at the liver and the importance of the liver. The liver modulates energy and is crucial in digestion helps us produce the bile salts that we need to be able to take up the minerals and the phytonutrients or the nutrients that are in the food that we eat. Um, it's very, very important for how we deal with fats. Um, it's, it, it's very important to look at it now too because there's so many starches in our diet. You know, I mean, starches is really sort of how, we've, how we have uh, been able to store food, right? So grains and beans and things like this has allowed us to get through um, as a people, as a world culture, um, to get through kind of droughts and all kinds of uh, winters and things like that because we, you can store it basically. But you also store it in the body, right? So the body is always preparing itself for the long winter ahead, you know? <laughs> so, um, but we don't have that so much anymore. We did a hundred years ago, we don't so much now. And that's why I think we're dealing with so much obesity and a lot of the degenerative diseases because of these um, mm. eating lots and lots of starches and certainly all of the fried and processed and denatured foods. And basically, if you walk into a supermarket today and you'll walk past, I don't know, in America, we have these huge supermarkets. They'll have like 30 aisles of packaged foods, you know, and most of those foods will be consumed by the person. And a lot of that material won't be used. You know, they're not going to be able to burn off those, you know, that, whatever it is, you know, pancakes or <laughs> scones or I don't know, yeah. all of the bready and starchy and, and um, um, trans fatted kind of foods, right? It has a long shelf life, but it also has a long half life in your body unless you really, really burn it as fuel. And most people just don't. We live sedentary lifestyles. If you want to exercise today, you're very 
in a modern world, you're not going to have to walk five miles to get your water and five miles back. You know what I mean? Like you had done before. Then those starches would have gotten burned. Most people are sitting at desks. And, um, and so then they're, they're going to store that food and uh, store it for a long period of time. And then it really does turn into uh, a disease or even just obesity, which I consider a disease as well. Yeah, yeah. So the liver is very important and the hygiene of the liver is very important. And it's actually... Um, so let's look at the liver. The liver's on the right side of the body, um, just the right side of the belly button. And it's a fairly large organ that in most modern people is huge. It's much bigger it's, than it needs to be. It should be in a very good size. If you look at a lot of people, you can even see it sort of protruding on that side because it's so engorged and it's got too much um, wow. of these uh, undigestible proteins and certainly a lot of starch. Now, if you look just behind the liver and at the top of it is the gallbladder. And so the gallbladder should be relatively empty. It should be a pretty empty organ and it should only hold bile salts and recycle bile salts so that the liver doesn't have to produce bile for every meal that's eaten, right? So bile salts, again, very important in digestion. And, uh, and then there's a whole recycling system that, that saves the body energy by, you know, you eat the meal, the liver produces and, and releases the bile salts from the bile bladder, which is the gallbladder. And then that helps the body um, extract minerals from the food that was eaten. And then any of those bile salts, they get taken back up through the liver and stored in the gallbladder uh, for the next meal, right? And um, because we're eating so many of these starchy foods, uh, wheat, corn, rice, potatoes, uh, as a basic part of the meal, or yeah, each meal, um, that those those starches get stored and they'll get stored as gallstones uh, in the gallbladder and basically what a gallstone is is it's cholesterol and inorganic uh, minerals and a lot of this kind of like waxy starchy uh, material um, they can be quite hard as well but it depending on the person's how they savor each meal, you know, so if they eat a lot of those packaged foods we were talking about before, there's going to be a lot of inorganic calcium in there. And those, uh, that calcium is very difficult to break down. You'll find it in the thyroid, you'll find it in the, the kidneys, and you'll find quite a lot of it in the gallbladder around these uh, cholesterol stones. So that's where we have a calcified gallstone. Uh -huh. And so that's one of the reasons why removing the gallbladder surgically is one of the most popular um, surgeries in America still, um, because they look at the gallbladder and say, oh, it's full of these really hard stones and we don't know how to break them down. And so they just remove the gallbladder, throw it in the garbage can, and then now every meal the person, and with no nutritional recommendations, actually, in all of my life's work in the last 30 years, I've never talked to anybody who was given nutritional recommendations on how to eat going forward now that they don't have a gallbladder. Yeah. So they eat the same way and um, still creating the same starches, the inorganic starches and this mineralization. And... Um, uh, basically, then it really starts to pack in the bile ducts in the liver, the liver ducts. And, um, and then the liver becomes very, very, very hard and doesn't function very well. So the good news is that it's completely, that whole system is completely reversible. And that's kind of the center foundational piece of my work, which is the liver and the gallbladder flush. Even if you don't have a gallbladder, you can still do these liver flushes and you should 
even more than people that have a functioning gallbladder, even if it's chock-a-block full of stones. There's always a way to dissolve those mineralized stones and bring it back to this waxy cholesterol stone. Um, and then through this program, I'll just outline it for you just briefly. But then they, um, you can just uh, get rid of those stones. Those that becomes very soft, very waxy, and you can just uh, defecate them out, poop them right out with the gallbladder and liver flushes, and uh, and have a really healthy um, digestive tract as well. That liver becomes more supple again. I've watched people with really hard livers um, that were functioning very low, functioning very little energy, very little digestibility. Um, have it reversed entirely 100%. So they're really gorgeous, um, soft, pliable livers again. Their digestion is excellent again. You know, everything in the body, the body is a perfect self correcting mechanism. Mm -hmm. So, again, without understanding, then we can, mm -hmm. uh, we can reverse all of these conditions. So, so what is the liver flush, right? So, um, can there's, can there's different ways. To, sorry, can I just ask you? Sure. Think, um, a lot of people listening to this will be kind of relatively healthy. The kind of people that, that follow my work are, are kind of fairly healthy at this point. Um, mm. But so can you speak on why it would be good for, for people like us, like them, like to continue to do liver flushes and the burden of detoxification that we have in these current lifestyles? Oh, it's fantastic for di for bringing up digestion, you know. Um, so you really can just eat anything and digest it beautifully. You should have really healthy, really effortless bowel movements every day. There should be some floating material there. Um, you know, your breath should always be fresh in, in the morning, even before you brush your teeth. You should wake up with a good taste in your mouth. That's a good indication of good digestion. You should have really good energy. You know, just about anybody should be able to get up and run for a mile or two, you know, without much effort. You know, that's just the, that's a natural, healthy condition of the body. Um, you know, and you should be able to get through your day rather stress-free as well, you know. Um, Chinese medicine teaches us that there's an emotion attached to every organ. And to the liver, it's anger, and to the gallbladder, it's bitterness, right? So if you find yourself being a little angry and bitter, by the way, everybody's justifiably, there's, there's always a reason to be, you know, angry and bitter about things, whether it's global events or your family or your relationships in any way or your work. Um, but if it becomes chronic and you just have this edge and you're just angry and that's your first go-to or just bitter about life in general, you know, all of those things can be alleviated quite a bit. Those emotions can be alleviated and you'll have more fluidity emotionally and more emotional intelligence by making sure that your liver is real clean and, and hygienic in there and that you have really, really good energy. You know, um, you should wake up in the morning really feeling fresh and perky and ready to go. Um, and you should sleep beautifully at night too without much effort, you know. So uh, sleep is getting a lot of, oh, sorry. No, well, I'm saying that sleep is getting a lot of press these days, which is really good. Um, and there's all kinds of, you know, because we have a lot of electronic equipment and all of that. And, um, and then what I would add to that conversation, too, is, you know, how, how well is your body, you know, finished digesting your food um, before you go to sleep? Because that also can be um, a factor in it. And, and there's many factors, but um, I would say digestion is really huge. And 
Um, and then that also too, like how relieved is your mind of anger and bitterness? You know, I mean, do you yeah. carry it forward with you? Is it incremental? Are you able to just leave things behind that really don't matter to you? Political things or, um, you know what I mean? Just global events yeah. that just yeah. seem to weigh on you. Um, you know, you do what you can do and then you should really be able to put it aside and sleep like a baby every night, you know? It's my experience a lot of people shift their lifestyle and they'll like shift their diet and they'll look at doing more yoga meditation stuff like that but they maybe don't include these kind of detox techniques and then they kind of hit a brick wall because they're not supporting their body and making that shift yeah absolutely and, and the liver and gallbladder flesh is kind of a deep clean too you know it's sort of uh it's just really going in there and just doing a really good deep clean and you really do get a good mood boost from it you know um it's funny you were saying that you hadn't done a gallbladder flush in a while and then this last you know period of time you were doing some flushes and you and i were sort of emailing about it and and um uh it's it is interesting when you really stay ahead of it um, just how effortless sort of life can be, you know, like you're, you're aligned with your life's mission, everybody incarnated to do something important. Otherwise nobody would be here. <laughs> so everybody here has some important mission. Yeah. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of distractions, you know, and there's a lot of, um, you know, just entertainment food, you know, cotton candy and popcorn and all kinds of entertainment foods that you should have every once in a while, but it shouldn't be a staple. And so when that becomes, um, you know, when, when that becomes almost like an addiction, isn't it? You know, you get a dopamine hit out of eating those foods as well. And so it sort of retrains your hormones and it retrains your, your interest to things that are um, artificially sweetened and artificially interesting to you. So when you remove all of the knee-jerk responses to sugars and starches, starches also just break down into sugar in the body um you can kind of get on with your the meditative process your moving meditation rather of of what you actually incarnated to do you know and that's the remarkable thing that i see with people who do really good detox do the lifestyle changes so that they're living you know a really healthy good life and also hanging out with really healthy, good people. You know, satsang is a very important part of that. Yeah. But one of the things I notice is that all of a sudden their head clears. It's sort of like they've come out of a 20-year coma, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, I, I incarnated to do some really important work. And I'm going to get busy doing it. And, um, and then I know that they're right on their way. It's yeah. just a, a natural function of, uh, of hygiene, right? Yeah. Being hygienic yeah. in the body. You're saying mm -hmm. liver work is really foundational work for for everything. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. And I, I want I want to hear about your liver flush protocol. But perhaps to start with, how often would you recommend people do a liver flush? What What do you say to people that are new to all this? Hmm. You know, it sort of depends on where you're starting. <clears throat> if you have any illnesses right now um then it's good to do like you're going to want to do a number of them to to get it really clean in there and it's it's evident you know because you you poop out gallstones you can see heavy metals coming out of you um and then when that sort of when that system when we cleaned out the liver and the gallbladder then you know you can back off once you're at a pretty good state and i mean a really nice good you know lifted state your motion is good your body feels good you digest like a champ you know 
Um, you know, then maybe a couple times a year. It sort of depends. It depends on your regular diet. And we all go into periods of time where there's a lot of feasting, you know. So it's also nice to balance that out with a little bit of fasting, like nutritional fasting. Mm -hmm. And you can um, you can also do little little mini liver flushes right throughout the um, sorry not the day but right throughout your life too by um, you know just incorporating a beverage like my electrolyte lemonade, which is like a little tiny liver flush. It's basically a lemonade that has a little bit of oil in it and um, a little bit of Celtic sea salt. So it mineralizes you while it also gently cleans the liver and it cleans the blood. And um, and it just tastes like a tasty lemonade, maybe like a little bit of a creamy lemonade. So the more that you have lemon and oil like that in your diet, then the less you'll actually have to do really big flushes. I do have electric light lemonade on the website of her link and I do reference you as the, the originator of the... <laughs> Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever said it to you before. I'll send it to you. No, no, I do. I'll have a look at it. I'd love that. <laughs> yeah, so having more liver, more liver cleansing foods is always really good. The lemon juice and any kind of citrus fruits like that, especially lemons and limes, really, really good to detoxify the entire body. It makes the blood very slippery, which makes the liver's job a lot easier liver also you know filters blood not in the same way that kidneys do but in a different way and uh, how clean your blood is is uh, really really closely tied to clear thinking processes mm -hmm. and and good energy like the kind of energy where you can get up and you know like that run for a couple miles without without much effort at all you know mm -hmm. and that's our true state so i guess that's how i measure things is sort of you know can you how you know are you at peace in your mind are you happy with your work and your, the people around you? Um, and how do you feel in your body? Brilliant. And in Chinese medicine, the spring is, is the time of the liver, right? So that's the best time to do liver work. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Because coming out of winter, you would have eaten a lot of starches and such, yeah. right? You know, those are the foods that do store well. And, um, and then, you know, in the springtime, up comes all the greens and the fruiting trees are starting to bud. And, um, you know, even here in Washington State, there's, uh, we just had snow maybe two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And, um, and already the, all the trees are starting, to, the fruit trees are starting to get buds on them, the apple and the cherry trees. And we've got, you know, pear trees here. And, um, you know, so spring is coming. And, um, and so it's a natural time to detox and cleanse and uh, the abundance of spring starts to come to you. So it's really good to uh, clean out all of the winter that would have been there um, from the starchy foods that store well. Yeah. yeah, so it's a perfect time to do a liver and gallbladder flush. I feel like it makes me more forward facing, if that makes sense. Like it's like letting go of the past and just ready to step into the future. Mm. It does, and actually, I don't know what it, it, what they say in England, but I know in French there's a term which, which means the winter reserve, and everybody thinks that they've gone, you know, ten or fifteen pounds <laughs> during the winter, which is true. And you, you know, that's sort of a that's something that we've evolved with over tens of thousands of years, but um, we still have a lot of that in our genetic uh, makeup. And so, yeah, so people tend to put on a bit of extra weight during the winter, which keeps them a bit warmer if they're in cold climates. 
um, but certainly it's time to uh, become, and also they're, you know, less active too because it's cold yeah. out and there's yeah. very little daylight time. Yeah. So now as the days get longer and there's more activity, it's time to be more active and to, you know, get rid of some of that winter weight and uh, the activity of the new year, you know, the spring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'd say that Holza Clark and Andreas Moritz are probably the two most well-known proponents of liver cleanses, but I find that both their methods can be a little bit rigid and maybe a bit aggressive. I'd, re I'd really like to hear from you on what your protocols are and you know how you've developed that, as you say, working with thousands and thousands of people over the years. Mm hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the basic, um, the basic liver and gallbladder flush that I put together is a nutritional fasting program. So what I found is even if somebody is very obese, they're often, uh, you know, they're kind of starving to death at the cellular level because they're eating all of these empty calorie foods, you know, that we talked about all the packaged foods in the supermarkets. They don't have much nutrient to them, vitamins and minerals. And, um, and a lot of, um, you know, degenerative or, or, or sorry, um, denatured um, foods, right? So they don't have much vitamins and minerals in them. Um, so anyway, so what I do is I, uh, I encourage people to get a blender if you don't already have one. And for three days to just blend all raw fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds. Um, I outline this in my recipe book, the Life Food Recipe Book, Living on Life Force. So you guys can download the ebook or buy it on Amazon if you want. I think we have it on Raw Living. We, we oh good yeah. well there you go we'll get it get it get it on wrong living and um and so um so basically you're just you're you're blending all of your foods down so what does it look like it's smoothies it's raw blended soups which is basically a vegetable smoothie you know and make it tasty make it as tasty as you like juices a lot of juices especially green juices and focusing on vegetable juices with maybe just a little bit of apple in there and some lemon cucumber um, and then something green like kale juices really well, um, or any kind of a green, really dandelion is my favorite green, um, for a good green juice. Um, and then the nut milks, you can make your own nut milks, drink lots of water, the electrolyte lemonade. So basically everything needs to be blended well. And I start there with three days of raw, uh, nutritional fasting, what I call nutritional fasting because uh, what this does is it starts to dissolve a lot of the hard fecal debris that's gonna be in the intestine. Um, even people with really good digestion, they often have hard fecal debris that is, uh, you know, a mucoid matter that's lining the intestinal tract and slowing digestion down. So what this does is the raw living food, the magic of the raw living foods, if you will, is the enzymes in it, right? So the enzymes inside of that apple, it digests the apple for you. If you eat a whole papaya, you don't need to, you know, all of the enzymes in that papaya to digest it are within the papaya. And when we cook and denature foods, you know, a big bowl of rice or something, there's really no enzymes in that. And so we have to beg and borrow and steal enzymes from our own body in order to digest that food. And that is the process of aging, is running through your own enzymes and not having enough enzyme-rich foods, the raw living foods, um, to keep you young and supple and healthy, right? So we blend everything. I like to make it really tasty, but it doesn't even, you know, you don't even have to be a food scientist or a really gifted chef to, you know, to blend up a smoothie, right? And there's all kinds of, you know, help with that. I know all the wonderful powders and superfood powders that you carry 
uh, are some of my favorites as well. And you can, you know, blend those in uh, and make something tasty. But especially focusing on vegetables. And then after three days, what you'll find is that the digestion is really sped up. It'll only take you, you know, a few hours and you've digested every single thing in your digestive tract. Have a lot more bowel movements than you normally would that day. Um, those are all good signs. The eyes, the whites of the eyes get really, really clear. The blood gets really slippery. The person gets really hydrated. Those enzyme-rich nutrients, the phytonutrients, get right inside of the cells of the body, all of the cells of the body, and they get nourished, right? That's a really easy way in just a couple of days to just hyper-nourish yourself, get the, you know, the cells really topped up so that... Um, so even, even on, um, well, so that on any diet, no matter where you're coming from, then all of a sudden your body gets to relax a little bit. And um, in terms of digestion becomes very effortless. So all of the, all of the issues the body has um, repairing damage to the, you know, to, to a site or, you know, fixing brain functioning if the person had a mild concussion or whatever it is that the body had put on hold in terms of maintenance, like body maintenance, the body can get busy and start to uh, focus on healing, right? Because they've got all the vitamins and minerals and all of the building materials on site and ready to go to reconstruct the body. And we literally reconstruct the body every single day. There's not a single cell in you that would have been there a few years ago, not even one. Mm -hmm. And so that constant recreation, constant reconstruction of the body, it requires quite a bit of nutrient. And those nutrients are really available in raw living foods. And when we blend everything, it makes it guarantees that that uh, the body can really uptake those minerals. So if you took all of your smoothie ingredients, for example, and you put it instead of the blender and you just put it into a salad and you ate every bit of it, uh, you might not have chewed everything really well. We just don't chew our food as well as we ought to. And so big chunks of food are going through the digestive tract. They're in the stomach. The, the stomach has to produce more hydrochloric acid to try to break the food down into small bits, very small parts. Um, so by blending the food in a blender, you really sort of bypass all of that, don't you? Or, or juicing. Uh -huh. And so um, we do three days of that. Then the body is pretty much prepped. Um, it depends if we're like with your clientele, with your people. <laughs> That's going to be three days of preparation would be perfect. If they're coming from a really, you know, a really poor diet, and then they might have to do that much longer to actually get topped up so that their body feels ready for the flesh itself. But for most people, you can go ahead and do the flesh anyway. So, you know, what is the flesh? It's basically taking a good oil. I like to do like a cold pressed organic olive oil. And uh, I mix it with uh, some fresh lemon juice. And now I put some fresh grapefruit juice in there too. And then just sort of put it in some kind of a, a shaking jar, a big water bottle or something where the whole thing fits in there. And give it a good shake because the oil separates from the juice almost immediately. And take about an hour to drink that down. So um, I'm in America, so I'm gonna say what it is in ounces. It's about eight ounces of olive oil, eight ounces of lemon juice, and 16 ounces of grapefruit juice. Okay, wow. So you do, yeah. it's 250 mils in eight ounces, so you, it's a cup, right? So you do a cup of olive yes. oil, a cup of lemon, and two cups of grapefruit. Yeah, it mix it all together, and the grapefruit makes it really quite tasty. Um, yeah. It tastes like kind of a creamy grapefruit juice. Yeah. And um, 
but it is a powerful medicine, a very powerful medicine. And so when I encourage people to take about an hour to drink it down. It's quite a lot of oil to consume. Um, in, you know, and this is something that's only done a few times a year once you're, you're back to good health. Um, and depending on the condition of the liver is how easy it's going to be for you from that point on, which is a really nice indicator, too, of actually where you are at. Even people with really healthy diets, you know, they might go through a period of time where they're just eating more starchy foods, you know, or eating while they're a bit stressed so they're not digesting as well because emotion has a lot to do with everything, too, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so most people will drink that down, and um, and then I encourage other things too. You could do like a coffee enema. Um, you can do a castor oil pack, which is just some castor oil on a flannel, and you put it right over your your liver. This is good old fashioned medicine. It basically is uh, absorbed right through the skin and into the liver, and it allows the liver to release more toxins. Um, and to release some very stubborn gallstones, bile stones that might be there, especially in the liver duct, um, and then makes the liver much more pliable and, and uh, gives it more movement. Even if it's a really hard liver, it'll start to soften it up. So there's lots of little tricks that you can do, but those two, coffee enema and the, um, uh, the castor oil pack are very, you know, I mean, the castor oil pack is less invasive than the, the the coffee yeah. out of it is. <laughs> would, you the, would you do those straight after the drink? Mm, within about an hour or two. Uh -huh. I usually say, well, you know, because it's, it's kind of a lot. It feels like a lot, you know, by usually a bit nauseous towards the end of that, uh, of drinking your oil and, and yeah. citrus juices. You know, it can, be, it can create some nausea. And, yeah. and um, what it does is it makes your stomach and the digestive tract very, very, um, very, very alkaline. And so if it was, if it was quite acidic to begin with, that's where the nausea comes from. Yeah. And it'll often be even just mildly um, nauseating. So you, you can kind of gauge where you're at with it on how you feel after you, you drink the last bit of it. Um, so, but that's, so then you're feeling a bit nauseous and, and you like, you want to just rest, you know, so put the castor oil pack on and lay down and just nap for about an hour or something. And then when you wake up, you will be feeling a bit better. You're feeling like you want to take the next stage, the next step, which would be the coffee enema, or you can book in for a colonic or something like that too. Um, it's not a hundred percent required, but it will speed up the whole process of detoxing your body more rapidly and more easily for you as well. Um, some people might think, oh, well, a coffee enema or um, a colonic, it's very invasive. But what is it really? It's just, uh, it's just introducing, you know, two quarts of water with some coffee in it uh, right into the alimentary canal and washing it, washing it, you know, you're just bringing water in and then you sit on the toilet and release it and it just washes everything out. So anything that had been loosened any material in there that had been loosened from the three days of preparation uh, with the nutritional fasting, it's, it's loosened and it just, it just escorts it out of the body with some water, which is really quite comforting and um, you'll feel a lot better afterwards. And uh, within about eight to 15 hours, uh, you'll poop out quite a few gallstones. And gallstones are gonna look different depending on the kind of diet you've had. Uh, they can be even blue-black, kind of a real dark green color. They could be bilirubin colors of, of bile, which is more like kind of root beer colors to pale yellow. 
And then the really old stones that are really just old, old starches, you know, they're just, they just look like white pus, basically. <laughs> just big, gloppy uh, pustules, if you will. And, um, and all of that can smell to the highest heavens, you know, even if you feel like you're really, really clean and you can get rid of these deep pockets of, of material and debris that were hiding out in the gallbladder. And, um, and they smell bad, and they're also a breeding ground for parasites and worms. And even people that are really healthy but haven't done a lot of, have a healthy diet and lifestyle, but haven't done any really deep cleaning like the liver and gallbladder flush, could still have a cycle of parasites inside of them for you know, years without really realizing it. And getting rid of the gallstones, which is the breeding ground where they like to lay their eggs, they like to lay their eggs in those, in those gallstones, getting rid of all of that can can um, uh, put you on the fast track to even much greater health and also easier lifestyle choices too. Um, we're, they're studying a lot now with the microbiome, which I've been talking about for a really long time. And they're looking at uh, the fact that I guess for every one human cell, you have 10 bacterias. Yeah. You know, we're more bacteria than we are human. <laughs> And um, so those bacteria are hungry for a particular kind of food. And they usually, the good bacteria, they want, you know, vegetables and fruits. But the bad bacteria, they want starches and sugar. Yeah. And so if you um, are overwhelmed with cravings for sugars, you can know that you're, you have a lot of sugar-eating bacteria in your body that are voting every time you eat. Even when you're not that hungry, the bacteria are saying, go ahead, eat some sugar. Come on. <laughs> eat the cake come on you know just one piece have another piece <laughs> you know and you're outnumbered you know you're outnumbered and so the liver and gallbladder flush what it does is it, it gets rid of all the parasites worms bacteria um, that are causing problems in there and it creates space for really healthy bacteria and a really healthy microbiome to take hold and then what you crave is fruits and vegetables nuts and seeds you, know, you have very honest cravings yes exactly you, know too. you walk down the street and you go oh i can really use a green drink you know really good green juice and that's what you crave and then you know you've overcome it <laughs> now your bacteria are working for you <laughs> so um how do you suggest to people that they observe their stones? And do you still, when you do a liver flush, do you still like inspect your own stones? <laughs> it's been a while since I've had any good stones, but I do get material out. I do get debris out. Um, they're interesting because they're, they're loaded with bacteria, and so they float on the surface of the toilet water. And so you can see, you know, what, what you're getting out. Um, you can strain it out too and have a really good look. Um, really small stones will still be calcified. They might be even quite hard. Most of them will be a bit softer and waxy, that waxy cholesterol stone. Um, but it takes years and years and even decades to form these stones. So you're getting rid of a lot of material that's been inside of you and been carried forth as you reconstruct your body brand new year after year after year, you're still carrying this debris forward with you. So what I found, one of the most remarkable changes about getting rid of those gallstones and getting rid of any debris that is not you, that's very old, first of all, it's very hygienic, so you have more space in your body and it smells better because you're not holding on to old debris that's putrefying or, or just uh, rancid oils and things like this, right? But what happens too is that you're very much more present 
because you're not carrying anything that's old, you know, in your body. It's not food that you ate 10 years ago that's still in the forms of these really hard calcified stones. Um, that's all gone. And so you're, you're really just you, you know, you're these fresh cells that you're creating for yourself every day. Um, you know, no cell in the body is really older than, you know, there's nothing, even your bones, there's nothing older than a few years inside of you, even your teeth. And so um, we reconstruct ourselves and then you have the opportunity to be fresh to who you are today rather than dragging your, literally dragging your baggage with you from yesterday. You know? Can you speak on Epsom salts, taking them internally? Oh yeah. Well, Epsom salts is, is they're my, one of my favorites because it's a, it's a beautiful medicine that's so cheap it's almost free. Everybody has access to it. And it's a beautiful laxative. So what is Epsom salt? It's magnesium stearate. It's a type of magnesium. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people are familiar with an Epsom bath where you soak in, in, you know, these Epsom salts, right? These bath salts. And basically you absorb them through the skin because we are more like sponges than anything else. And so you can absorb uh, magnesium like this. When we take them with the gallbladder flush or just whenever we want a really nice laxative effect, um, the magnesium is, uh, it relaxes the body, right? It relaxes the muscles of the body. Um, and so when we, so how you take them basically is you, you put them into water. So you take, pick, you know, half a teaspoon is usually good for most people and put it into a good, a tall glass of water and drink that down. You stir it up and drink it down and it's a very powerful laxative. So what it does is it starts you know, um, from the stomach, it goes into the liver. It starts to relax the liver. It starts to, to, you know, because the liver is often very hard and tight in places and it's holding on to those gallstones. It's holding on to um, debris in the bile ducts. And so it starts to relax and open and, uh, and um, to dump bile, actually. So when, when there's a relaxation in the liver during a detox and we bring in this... Uh, Epsom salts with the water, um, it starts to open up the bile ducts, you know, relaxes the liver, it opens up the bile ducts, and then you can really get rid of a lot of material in a short amount of time. And it also, it's one of my favorite laxatives actually too, because it's really safe for children, for the elderly. It's not a violent, uh, it's, it's calming, it's uh, nourishing actually, there's a bit of nourishment to it as well. And it's very relaxing. So, um, so it makes a safe space for the body to, to, to relax and to let go of any, especially any really hardened fecal debris, um, which is where you also find a lot of parasites and worms too. So you can dissolve that uh, fecal mucoid matter in the intestine, um, you know, with the Epsom salts in this way. And you can do that, you know, even small doses if you just feel a little constipated or you've eaten foods and you feel like you're storing them. If you wake up in the morning and your stomach's not nice and flat, it's still a bit poochy or it's sort of maybe a bit bloated even, you're still responding to last night's meal, um, that's also a nice time to do a little Epsom salt and to get things moving and to um, assist your body in its job of elimination. Yeah, so it's one of my favorites. Super cheap and super available and everybody can... Um, you, yeah exactly mm -hmm. if you're doing it as part of the flush would you do it before and after the drink or you know in preparation for the flush too we didn't talk about laxatives but it should be it's good to take a laxative a couple times a day to the goal in the three days of the nutritional fasting and the preparation for the gallbladder flush is to clear out the tract right 
And so most people are a bit constipated. And even if they're not, when they start doing all of the blended foods, they're all living blended foods, they might get a little constipated because the body's going, oh my goodness, we've got opportunity here. Let's just get rid of all this stuff. So it's pulling material out of your muscles and out of the bloodstream. Any arterial sclerotic plaque can start to heal and dissolve and all of those um, all of that material just starts to head towards the uh, intestine and that can get kind of gunky in there. So I encourage people to take some laxative and, um, and cast area, uh, sorry, Epsom salts. It's a really nice one like that too. What we're trying to do is have between three and five bowel movements a day mm -hmm. during the cleanse. And so even people that just have one bowel movement a day, but a good one, you know, a full and thorough evacuation, they're going to find it a bit much. They're like, Oh my God, I had to go, you know, five times a day and for me i'm going yes you know there's material there that's been on hold for a long time and now you've got the opportunity to get rid of it and uh so don't be alarmed by that but actually be encouraged by it because uh the body's taking the opportunity to you know clean house get rid of it is there any other laxatives you would recommend you know, I mean, just the raw living foods is actually going to be laxative forming all those extra enzymes is a bit more laxative for the person um, Water is a really nice little laxative too. Most people are a bit dehydrated uh, or they're eating really hard sort of acidic water, you know, or drinking rather. Um, you know, and then, um, what is my favorite laxative? It's probably the Oxymag is the, I call it the human Drano, which is also a form of magnesium. It's an oxygenated magnesium, a bit more expensive um, and maybe a bit harder to find. I know that you carry it. So you've got, you've got that on hand. Um, they have it in a powder, which I find is the very best way to take it. You take it, it's a powder, it's a white powder. You put about a half a teaspoon into a glass of water, a cup of water, and then put a squirt of lemon juice in it, and it'll start to bubble and fizz a little bit. And then when you drink that down, that's a fantastic laxative. And like I, like I said, I call it human Drano because it really does open everything up and clean you out. And especially for people that have had a history of constipation, um, which is pretty much most everybody, um, then it starts to break down that hardened fecal mucoid matter that lines the intestinal tract. And that's really what a good laxative will do. And you'll get it with the Epsom salts and you'll get it with the Oxybag. Can you tell us about, um, before the flush, taking something to um, help the stones break down? So apple cider vinegar or... Yeah, you know, I love the apple cider vinegar. Um, apple cider vinegar is a good treatment. Um, like I encourage people to, uh, to mix some apple cider vinegar with a little bit of honey and water and make a delicious beverage out of it. And then, um, especially anybody over about, you know, 40 or even 35 years old, their hydrochloric acid has dropped down quite a bit. And so um, in order to ease digestion, if you just keep this delicious beverage, you know, the apple cider vinegar with a little honey and lots of water and take up uh, maybe a half a cup of it about 15 or 20 minutes before you eat anything mm -hmm. and you'll just digest that food like a champ. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. It gives your liver a big helping hand. It also gives your hydrochloric acid, which is your stomach acid, a good pH balance, uh, which everybody can use more of. And, um, and it's a nice preparation too for, it's very hygienic. It's incredibly hygienic and it's very balancing for pH. Um, so I encourage people to do that in the week beforehand. Um, you can actually do quite a bit of, what you're doing is quite a bit of the, um, of the vinegar, um, 
yeah. at that time too, right? And then if they're adding it to water, how much apple cider vinegar would you put in? Sorry, what did if, you say? If they're making that drink with water and honey, how much apple cider vinegar would you put in that drink? Oh, so if it was a 16 ounces, I would put about three or four ounces of the vinegar, um, a couple tablespoons of honey, uh -huh. and then the rest of really good clean water. Shake it up, give it a good shake. Uh, it stores forever in the refrigerator. Both honey and vinegar are, you know, honey and vinegar. So they, they'll last forever. <laughs> and um, so there's, it won't go bad, in other words. Yeah. And, you know, drink about a half a cup of it. You know, that'll be like four servings then, you know. So if you have a half a cup of that before you eat anything, uh, about 15, 20 minutes beforehand, um, you will be able to, di to digest anything, really. You know, you could drink a cup of cholera and you would digest it beautifully. <laughs> Just poop it out. <laughs> Annie, that's been so fascinating and so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Mm, my pleasure. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. And it's my favorite thing to talk about is liver <laughs> flushes. So you've, you've made my day, darling. <laughs> well, anything to plug or promote before you go? Um, well, I've got a new project. I'm working with a hundred acre biodynamic farm in Ontario under a new, uh, aspect of life food nutrition. My life food work is, is, um, in fact, the name of the company is life food nutritionals and we're growing very high CBD hemp and, um, and all kinds of medicinal herbs like calendula and, uh, echinacea and hyssop and all kinds of things like that. And we'll be, this is our first year to be biodynamically certified and have all of our regulations to be able to do the, the cannabis, uh, cannabinoids. And I'm going right into research of, there's over a hundred different cannabinoids in the hemp or cannabis plant. And only one of them is CBD. And um, there's a beautiful way we're working now with scientists in how to extract not just the CBD, but the other 100 cannabinoids, because we have, it's, very, it's a very specific plant for humans, because we have, um, receptor sites for those cannabinoids like we don't have for any other plants really and I feel that uh, nature is teasing us in the direction of, of using this plant more medicinally um, and as well as the oils and the food that comes from it but also the medicines too and uh, hemp is having its kale moment uh, right now too so it's uh, a neat opportunity especially in Canada to um, to really uh, there's a lot of money research money available uh to really extract the medicinal properties of this plant in particular and um and it's unique it's unusual as you know in your work you know like nobody's really you know giving hundreds of millions of dollars to find out the medicinal properties in broccoli you know like nobody cares <laughs> but because of the hemp is a cash crop and there's um a lot of regulations have been lifted about it very recently so I'm very excited about working with cannabis um, and, uh, and we'll be producing all kinds of uh, medicinal um, delicious raw food treats with it as well and, and snacks. So you can look for that in um, maybe uh, autumn 2020, later on this year. So I'm excited about that. So keep you posted. Can we find you online anywhere? Oh, yes, uh, AnnieJub.com, and, um, and I'm on Instagram at AnniePattonJub. So uh, check me out and reach out and say hello. Annie, thank you so much for all your work this year. Always, always a blessing to spend time with you.
Oh, you're so welcome, Kate. I always enjoy our conversations. I can't wait to see you again. Amazing. Thank you so much, Annie. If you want to learn more about liver flushes, there's a post on katemagic.com, uh, the super magic spring detox, and also on raw living, rawliving.eu, we sell castor oil and Epsom salts and enema bags uh, to help you with your liver flushes. I really recommend trying to get a liver flush in this spring and yeah let us know how you get on it's it's always a little adventure for more interviews like this you can go to katemagic.com and rawliving.eu thank you so much and see you next time